Have you been away from your garden for an extended time yet this summer? And my follow-up question is, are you excited or terrified to see it after your time away? Welcome to Into the Garden with Leslie here on News Radio WINA. This show is sponsored by Dos Amigos Landscaping, Color Blends Bulbs, and we have a new sponsor, Great Garden Plants. More on that in a minute. I'm Leslie Harris, and I've been away from my garden for three weeks. More on that and the associated emotions in just a moment. Our plant of the week is the tomato. So many good reasons that makes it timely. And one of them is that I have eaten more than my share in the last three weeks. And the other is that we'll be talking with Roxana Snedeker of Soil and Margaritas. And although she grows many beautiful things in her garden, one of the plants that she loves to grow is the tomato. As I compose this part of the show, I'm sitting in Fiumicino, sipping my last real Italian cappuccino and wondering how my garden has fared without me for the last three weeks, but not totally without me because we're very lucky to have a good friend who loves Ginny, our English Springer Spaniel, who thinks she's a person and therefore refuses to stay in a kennel. So he stays with her in our home while we're away, and he's also really kind about watering my plants, plants in pots and in my hospital bed where things are very new. All the others are being cared for by Mother Nature. I have mentioned it before, but I have no irrigation system, and that is by choice. I took care of a lot of gardens with irrigation systems when I had my business, and they just seemed to present more problems than they solved. That's a complex subject to unpack another day. Lucian was kind enough to water all my pots, so I moved some of the ones that would have been in full sun to shade. There were lots of areas that he would have watered every day with no rain, and I think that happened a lot, poor fellow, and others that could go for a couple of days with no rain. That's a handy thing to do if you can. Move your sun-loving containers to shade to help them get through your vacay without you. I thought it might be fun to go through the exercise of imagining what is going to greet me when I get home. And then tomorrow I will be home, and I'll compose the second part of the episode, and we'll see which of my predictions were accurate. Okay, so here are my predictions. First, The tiny zinnias that I planted right before I left. I told Lucian that he didn't have to water those, but he's such a good guy. I bet he did at least a few times. So I predict that the four to six inch plants will be two feet tall and that they will need staking. Annuals. Right before I left, I did my Chelsea chop on lots of pretty annuals that were flowering, like verbena, petunias, euphorbia, coleus, I wanted them to be really low so they wouldn't get leggy while I was away. They weren't leggy when I left, but why not chop them before you leave so that you come home to fresh flowers and stout growth? Let's see if that happened. I grow a new type of petunia for me this year. I got it from Select Seeds, and they call it old-fashioned climbing petunia. Instead of giving those a chop, I staked them before I left because they were about 18 inches tall and they had three branches. My prediction for those is that they're going to be flopping and out of control with more branches or length. I can't wait to see. Lilies, well, I think I missed the entire show. I grow a variety of trumpet, oriental, and asiatic lilies, including the orient pet type, which is a hybrid of the oriental and the trumpet. And also the tiger lily or the Lilium lancifolium. That's the one that has those curly spotted orange petals. That's actually a native in the United States. Anyway, I predict that Lucian got to enjoy every last one of them. He sent some great photographs and that I will be deadheading so that they don't go to seed. That would also be true for the day lilies. I grow mostly repeat bloomers, but I bet I missed the big show for sure. Hey, totally worth it. Don't get me wrong. These are privileged person's problems. If you miss your lilies blooming because you saw a million oleanders and fields of sunflowers blooming in Italy instead, I think you got a pretty good deal. But speaking of day lilies, 
I grow some sort of short, early yellow daylily. I'm not quite sure of the cultivar, of course. It could be happy returns. Anyway, that one was fully done by the time I left. So I chopped away all of the foliage on that one. And I predict, we'll see if it comes true, that it has grown back a fresh green. That's a great thing to do if daylily foliage makes you sad. I mean, you have choices. You could hand comb it to get out the bad stuff or pick out the brown foliage. Or if you don't mind that hole that happens after you do it for a few weeks, you could just cut off everything and it'll grow back fresh and green. If it's a repeat flowering one, you'll get new flowers. If it's not, well, at least you get fresh green foliage. Hydrangea. That's such a long-lasting show. I predict I see some gorgeous blooms, but I also predict that my Annabelles have a strong case of the flops. I would have been cutting those back for the last three weeks and would have seen some new growth. I'll do that as soon as possible, and I hope to get some fresh blooms in late August or September. Bush beans. Okay, I've never grown these before, but I pushed a few fat seeds into a place where Lucian probably watered because it's near the hospital bed, and they had germinated before I left. I planted them way too close together, according to the packet. I predict chaos on the bush bean front in terms of foliage. In terms of actual beans, I I have no idea. I read the packet well enough to know that I planted them too closely, but that is where my knowledge of bush beans ends. I left some little tiny itty-bitty basil plants in my horrible veg plot where nothing grows well, and since I didn't even tell Lucian to water them, I predict that they will have been put out of their misery. Next to them, I had stuck in some pepper seeds. It would be a miracle if something came up. The happy news on the basil is that I had left a few in pots, which I know Lucian watered, and I cannot wait to make my own caprese because I want to carry on my steady diet of caprese salads. And the other homegrown ingredient of caprese is, of course, the tomato, and that is my last prediction. They will have some fruit, but they will be out of control. And the tomato is our plant of the week. So many fun facts about tomatoes. You may know that tomatoes were thought to be poisonous for many years when they were grown as ornamental plants back in the 18th century. Enough people died that tomatoes were blamed, but it turns out that the true culprit was probably pewter plates from which the acid of the tomatoes leached lead. Those aristocrats with their fancy plates were transported to the great garden in the sky by other means than just the tomato. Tomatoes are in the nightshade family, of course, and so the leaves and the stalks are indeed poisonous. Don't go eating them. They're technically a fruit, but they're extremely high in something called lycopene, which is an antioxidant. So really quite the opposite of poisonous. They're quite good for you. China is the largest producer of tomatoes, and Roxana from Soil and Margaritas is number 12 on the list after Italy, New Jersey, and Joe Gardner. The plural form of tomato is harder to spell than it really should be, and you must add an E for no discernible reason whatsoever. I mean, there were some air quote reasons that I found online, but I remain as unconvinced as I am about the merits of, well, let's say irrigation systems. There are over 10,000 varieties of tomatoes, including tons of different shapes, colors, sizes, and flavors. And of course, there's a festival that's dedicated to them that takes place in Buñol, Spain every summer. They call it a festival, the Tomatina, but it's really a food fight with about 40,000 people heaving about 150,000 pounds of tomatoes at each other. And the last piece of tomato trivia for you is that it is, at least in my humble opinion, the thing that you can grow to eat that has the least resemblance in taste to the store-bought counterpart. There's really no comparison. And you've heard me say more than once that I'm no great fan of growing veg, but tomatoes are different. The tomato's botanical name is Solanum lycopersicum, and now your day is complete. I mean, really, who cares? Tomatoes can be either indeterminate, which would make them bloom and produce fruit over a period of time, 
or the determinate type, which hits a certain size and then it produces all of its fruit at once. And that's an advantage if your goal is to can them or preserve them. I like to grow the indeterminate type. Even though there's a control factor that the gardener must impose with the taming of the suckers, you end up with more tomatoes than you would with the determinate type. And you don't have to control those suckers because you get tomatoes on the suckers either way. But if you pinch off those shoots that come up between the main stalk and the branch, they make me think of little upside down armpit hairs, but they're not little for very long. Then you're better able to stake your plant because it's kept to one main trunk. So it keeps you organized and it keeps the plant concentrating on producing more fruit versus more branches and more leaves. No one at my house has been pinching those upside down armpit hairs for three weeks, so I suspect I'm going to have a bit of a mess on my hands. Plus, those suckers do indeed produce flowers and blooms, so I'm going to have to make decisions about what to keep and what must go. All kinds of pests and diseases can attack tomatoes. So many possible dilemmas, in fact, that I choose not to ruin the end of my vacation by listing them here. You see, now when I'm writing this, I'm on my flight home, and because of a very generous pour of Chardonnay, I see a nap in my future. Pests and diseases in the garden in general interest me so little, and even less when I know that if my entire crop of tomatoes fails, well, there's always the farmer's market, right? Yeah, now that I ponder it, the ones that I can think of off the top of my head, because, you know, I'm on one of those flights that has Wi-Fi, and that's a total joke, so I'm just winging this, but there's mildew, and there's blight, oh, and there are those revolting hornworm caterpillars that can get, like, inches long, and they can defoliate your entire plant fast. They can get covered with those parasitoid wasp larvae, horrible little boogers, and then you aren't sure whether to feel sorry for the caterpillar or cheer on the wasp. It's quite distasteful. Here's what I do know. Tomatoes are hungry and thirsty plants. My horrible veg patch where nothing much grows will probably have three to four foot tall plants whose only redeeming feature will be the value-added charm contributed by the attractive tutor that they grow on. Certainly nothing to do with the plants, and I'll be pleased to even have a fruit or two on that set. The tutor you see also serves as a handy jungle gym for the squirrels and the chipmunks to help themselves to what few tomatoes my plants there will spit out. But this year, I have six good plants in large plastic pots, so it could just be that the charm formula, if you completely reverse it from the tutor situation, could work in my favor. Less charm could equal more fruit. I've placed the horrible black plastic pots in my cold frame, which sits in between the garage and the house, so the plants are surrounded by bricks and glass, and they love that type of heat. Of course, the cold frame is open. I planted them in my homemade compost, which I hope was fully decomposed. Oh my God, now that I think about it as I write this, maybe it wasn't fully decomposed. And then the tomatoes potting medium receded like a wave on the sand right underneath them. Oh, that's another terrible thought, so I think I'll take that nap. But before I do, I want to tell you about my friend Karen Blair, who's a Charlottesville-based painter whose work I know you would love. Karen is known for her joyous use of color and exuberant mark-making, and her own garden and those of her friends inspire the flowers and trees also prevalent in the paintings and collages. I'm so excited to start this partnership with Karen, and I want you to go to the show notes for this episode to see her featured painting of the week. And from there, you can link to her website and Instagram and see more of her work. You're going to love it. This is Into the Garden with Leslie on News Radio WINA. Kindly delivered by Dos Amigos Landscaping, Color Blends Bulbs, and now Great Garden Plants. And coming up, we're going to be talking with Roxana Snedeker from Soil and Margaritas about tomatoes and lots of other things. Welcome back to Into the Garden with Leslie on News Radio WINA. This show is sponsored by Dos Amigos Landscaping and Color Blends Bulbs. 
So we have a wonderful guest today, and the name of her Instagram that I stumbled upon that made me want to chat with her is Soil and Margaritas. I mean, can we do any better than that? Her name is Roxana Stedeker, and she gardens in central Indiana. And, you know, she's just one of those. I didn't have an agenda. She doesn't have a book that she's written. I just wanted to talk to this lady. So we're talking. How are you, Roxana? I am well, Leslie. How are you? Thank you for the invite. Oh, no. I we, I mean, we just love to talk about gardening. So tell us all about your gardening. You're in central Indiana. I know you do tons of things on a not huge property, right? Lay, lay it out for the listeners. What are you doing up there? Yeah, so I, I am really close to Indianapolis. I'm in central Indiana. Uh, I am I'm really on some five. Uh, some five, six uh, border, but uh, I consider myself a home gardener. Uh, I didn't study, you know, horticulture. I didn't uh, intend this to be a career. It is not my career. I don't sell anything. And that's what I was talking to you when I got into your, your invite. Uh, I don't sell a book. I, you know, I don't have an education <laughs> on gardening. I just kind of garden at home. I live close to the city. So it's it's a very, very small urban lot. And I try to uh, maximize the space and and I just love doing this I love growing flowers and in recent years I started into uh, growing vegetables as as well I love love tomatoes so that's pretty much it that sounds great and so what's going on in your plot right now if you're in zone five you are probably quite a bit behind me I'm 7a and I am just to compare I am as at the time of this interview which I think I think our listeners will be listening to this more at the end of June or possibly even July a little bit unorganized on that front but we're talking in mid-may and my roses are in good form and my peonies are ending and my tomatoes that I brought from seed, which I'm so proud of because I usually don't do that, uh, are about 12 inches tall. What's going on up there? Oh, well, my tomatoes that I started from seed as well, all 42 of them that I have uh, in Whoa. my rainbows. <laughs> I told you I love tomatoes. Uh, I just put them in the ground last week. So they're just babies. They're just getting up there. Uh, my roses are not quite there yet. They're, I can see some buds, but they're not quite uh, opening up just yet. We had actually the weather here in Indiana is crazy for us. You know, some some springs we can have really late freezes and snow. And this year we had a really, really crazy heat wave. And we got up in the 90s and we're back into springtime right now, which is great because I was kind of worried a little bit for all of my tomatoes and peppers. You know, they came out into 90 degree weather, which was crazy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's it. Things are waking up. It's looking good. It's looking like it's going to be a great year in the garden this year. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Yeah, mine's mine's looking pretty good, too. I, you know, I think um, my listeners know that I sold my business. So I'm trying to do actually more of the, you know, hands on gardening. I'm not good at seeds, but I did it. I've got not 42. Did you say 42? I did say 42. <laughs> <laughs> not 42 tomatoes. So how many different varieties do you grow? Oh, well, I, I told myself this year is going to be, you know, a little bit more contained on the tomato side, but I did have 21 varieties. Um, I nailed it down. I had like 40 and I, I really wanted two or three plants of each. So I had to nail it down to like 21. Oh my goodness. But I'm excited. I have a lot of tomatoes that are, are becoming my favorite year after year. And this is only the third year that I'm doing vegetables. Uh, I kind of took over for my husband a couple of years ago when he was no longer because of his work, um, he was no longer able to take care of the the vegetable garden that we had, which was like a little corner, you know, on the back of the property. 
And I kind of took over and I thought, you know, I'm going to do this right. I'm going to add a bunch of raised beds. I'm going to add some cattle panels. And I kind of went a little bit crazy and I kind of fell in love with tomatoes. And, you know, three years later, here I am uh, starting things from seed because honestly, I feel for myself starting things from seed, it gives me the choice of not only having things ready for me to use, but also gives me a lot more choices to have in the garden as far as, you know, varieties and types of tomatoes to grow. Where I am, I don't know why, but where I am, uh, I don't really have access to a lot of uh, different varieties of tomatoes. You know, you can find your Roma tomato, your slicers tomato, but not other, you know, type of tomatoes that I, I really like. You know, I think it's probably like we only have one type of bananas that's available to us. And, you know, that's a plant with a lot of different cultivars, but only one of them, and I can't remember the name of it, um, but the one that we all buy and the one that we all eat is the one that travels best. And I would assume that nurseries probably have to make that decision and particularly the big box stores, if that's where you have to buy plants, that it's only going to be this one or that one, because we know that they have a good production level. They come from seed and we're going to offer them and people like them, big boy, better boy, you know, Roma, whatever. What are some seeds that you always go for every year? Can you name a few varieties that you love? Well, so so this is only my third year. So I only had a couple of years, you know, to try. But uh, this year I am going big with Dr. Witches or Dr. Witches, however you say it, where you live. I like, um, what is the one? Hungarian heart. I love that. That is a paste tomato. Oh. I fell in love with, uh, cherry tomatoes are new for me, but I fell in love with sun gold tomatoes. Yeah. Yes, I love those. I wasn't a cherry, a cherry tomato type of person, but then I tasted those and I was I was hooked. And I have about six varieties of cherry tomatoes. And by the way, my 42 tomato count does not include the cherries. So those <laughs> are kind of like extra. <laughs> so, so let's not go into that. So you said that you had a separate um, vegetable patch. Now that you have so many and you've taken over and obviously... I think surpassed your husband's efforts. sounds like it anyway. Did your patch grow or do you incorporate them into your ornamental beds or is it separate? Yeah. So, you know, I, I was definitely not a vegetable grower way back then, three, four years ago. If you would ask me back then, you know, like, do you like to grow vegetables? I'd be like, no, you know, just, just flowers. I'm a flower girl, but no, I definitely, definitely try to incorporate flowers into my rice beds. It doesn't only bring me, you know, the appealing of the view of the visual aspect of it, but it also helps with the pollinators, you know, oh, yeah. attract the bees, attract all the pollinators. And, you know, hopefully they touch the vegetables as well. And then it's a win-win for everybody. And you and I are both um, fans of Linda Vodder, who's written that beautiful book that we've had a look at. I had my hands on it for a minute um, before I gave it away, but that's the incorporation of real of, of edibles into real beauty and real control. And do you feel like, are you a, a tidy person in the garden? Are your, are your beds all tidy and everything's under control? Do you know, I try. I feel like I, I start with the garden at the end of the season with, I am going to do this and you're going to be on this row and you're going to be over there. And then by the end of the season, sky like, all right, you're good. You know, do your own thing. I'll be here to try to get the fruit and the flowers. <laughs> I know the essence of gardening is control. And yet sometimes you lose control uh, and yet you still get tomatoes out of that, right? Exactly. Exactly. As long as I get the harvest, I'm, I'm completely fine with that. You cook with your tomatoes? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love to cook and I also kind of got a little bit of uh, canning going. I, I don't know how it works out for me because I, I honestly, I do things kind of like, oh, crazy a little bit most of the time. But uh, canning has been something that I am also learning and I am trying to do things uh, better year after year. And I definitely, by the time the August hits, you know, with all those tomato plants and all the harvesting that is done, I need to figure out 
a way to to keep those things going. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I have one more question. So this is kind of funny. This is how these interviews go. I sent Roxana a list of questions, none of which I've asked, maybe one. Um, and all of a sudden we're on this tomato tangent as if this is the tomato. <laughs> but, but I have one question. It's not really about tomatoes, but it makes sense to me to ask it because I'm fairly new to seeds too. And I'm fairly new to veg. You know, I'm just like, wait, why would I grow my own veg? Isn't that where I, I can go to the farmer's market and they can do all the work? But I want to try it. I want to do it. I want to get as enthused as you sound. But, okay, you've chosen 42, well, you have 42 plants. You have 21 different varieties, not including your cherry tomatoes. So you have a packet of seeds that would have gotten you 42 plants of just one variety. Do you save your seeds and how, do you put them in the fridge? What do you do? So I have, uh, I actually have a, a photo album storage. I have, it's, oh. it's, I actually have four of them. I have two for flowers and two for vegetables. And the one for vegetables, one of them, my tomatoes kind of take the whole thing. So they have these photo storage albums that come in little sections with either four by sixes or five by seven sizes. Uh, and that's where I keep my tomatoes. And I have them labeled by, you know, like uh, if I have flowers, I have alyssum or nasturtiums or whatever I have for flowers. And for my tomatoes, I definitely have them. I have like four or five sections for them, but I'm thinking that I'm just going to have to buy just one just for my tomatoes. And the way that I do this, I mean, I don't know if it's the right way, but it has been working for me. So year one, I bought a package of seeds for, let's just say, Hungarian hard tomato seeds. And it came with, I don't know, 15 seeds, a packet. I really didn't need 15 tomato plants of those. So I started five the first year. I started five the next year. And this third year, I'm still using those seeds from three years ago. But year two and year three, I am still saving seeds from those harvesting uh, fruits that I got from the garden. So I am I'm covered for the next few years, even with the seeds that I have right now. Oh, so it's a combination. You, you buy it first and then you save your own and you're saving them in a photo album. That is brilliant. Where did you get that idea? I don't know. I honestly, it was not my idea. I saw somebody else do it, that they got it from somebody else and on and on. And it's, it's been working great for me because they're plastic. So the little containers are four by six size and they go into a bigger container where you keep all of those four by six uh, smaller containers. And it, it works great for me. Will you do me and probably listeners a big favor and send me a photograph of your system so that when I write the blog that goes along with this episode that I can put it on the blog? Absolutely. I will do that. It's super easy. And you know what? Uh, the, your local craft stores, Hobby Lobby or Michael, sometimes they have those on sale. And my gosh, they're, they're really, really convenient. That is so smart. And so you close, it's like a book and you close it up. So that's the dark part. Seeds need to be kept in cool and dark. Do you bother in the heat of summer to put them in a fridge or inside or do you, in the garage shed? Where do you? So they are clear. The actual, the whole, the whole container is a clear plastic. And what I do, they just go in my closet for, you know, forever, whenever I'm not using them and it's dark in there. Uh, so it, they stay well. I ha Like I say, this is my third year uh, starting from seed. And so far, so good. I haven't had any failures uh, so far this year. Fantastic. Really good information. This is Into the Garden with Leslie on News Radio WINA. And we're chatting with Roxana Snedeker. And she gardens in central Indiana. And so far, I have managed to um, make this sound like a tomato podcast. But no, we're, <laughs> we're going to... We're going to, we're going to do better. Okay. So I want to know you're, you know, you're so passionate about your gardening and I want to know how it all started. Have you been gardening for a long time? So no, I haven't. I actually, I grew up in Mexico and uh, being in, from a small town in Mexico where, you know, you have oranges, limes, mangoes, uh, papayas growing left and right. 
I was a child back then and I was uh, unaware of all the beauty and knowledge that was going around me. And it wasn't until my adult year that I realized, my goodness, I wish I would have taken in all that education and things that all of the people around me were doing. But, you know, if you're a child, you don't pay attention to those things then. No. I got married in 2004 and I moved into a house with nothing but grass. And I thought, mm, you know, maybe I could just plan and thing or two here. I don't know. And, uh, you know, back then I had no idea what an annual or a perennial was. So I pretty much visited every garden store that I could. I tried to, to read a book or two about plants and, you know, years after failure, uh, (laughs) things work, things don't work. And, and it just happened that way. And I, I fell in love with growing flowers. And like I mentioned, it wasn't until recent years that I started with vegetables. And, you know, gardening evolves. Like everything else, you just kind of figure out what things you like, what things you don't like, uh, what things you will never do again. (laughs) (laughs) Cougar melons. Um, Wait, what? Wait, wait, I I, I interrupted you. What will you never do again? That sounded great. What was it? Cougar melons. Uh, They're kind of invasive. They. Oh. Melons are one of those things that I love, but my goodness, those things grow like crazy. I love them. I love the taste of it, but it's, yeah, they're too much of a diva for my garden. Good to know. Good to strike some things off the list. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So that's been your journey. And then, so you've gathered information from talking to people, from reading books. Have you used social media, YouTube or Instagram or anything? I mean, you are now, you know, the tables have turned and you're teaching people what to do on Instagram and you also do YouTube. I can't remember. Yes, I do uh, YouTube as well. Let me uh, mention something. I definitely do not teach Leslie. But you show. (laughs) I tell the people that follow me, listen, I am not a teacher. I'm not here to educate you. But let me just show you what's going on, what I'm doing in my garden, what, you know, uh, some of the things that I do work, some of the other things don't work. And that's fine. I started with seeds year one. I started everything uh, from seed in my vegetable garden. And my goodness, the moment that you see that one seed germinate for the first time, I mean, you're hooked. You almost want to go back to the store, buy all of the seeds, you know, buy all of the lights that you can turn your guest room into a grow room because really who's going to be visiting you. And that's fine. If they come over, you know, one night they can sleep next to the plants. They're not (laughs) going to mind. Uh, So yes, definitely. When I started with gardening, it was, you know, slow, uh, you grow a few things in containers, things work out. Maybe the next year, you know, you grow a couple more containers, but it hasn't, um, it wasn't until recent years that I started kind of going strong with just, you know, taking the, the lawn in my backyard little by little where, you know, like where mowing takes like literally five minutes because there isn't really much left to mow because my, my flowers and my vegetables have taken over. Wow. That is very cool. But I do think you're a teacher. I mean, you're showing and sharing and people can learn from that way and people can learn from our mistakes because believe you me, I make plenty of them too. And, and it's kind of <laughs> fun to throw that stuff out there. So um, have you had any garden mentors where you're looking, Linda Vodder, you mentioned, or any other people where you've sort of said, oh, I want to try that because they did, or I like the way they explain that. Anybody, you know, in real life or virtual on uh, social media? So, yes, I found this uh, a girl from Wisconsin. Her name is Casey Lawrence. Uh, she has a YouTube and an Instagram. Beautiful, beautiful garden. She definitely has more space than I do. And she loves to make uh, flowers with vegetables. She has like 20 raised garden beds. It's just gorgeous. She has this amazing eye for design that she puts into gardening. And my gosh, every time I watch any of her YouTube videos or 
any things that she does in her garden, I'm always amazed and encouraged, you know, to try something like that in a smaller scale into my own garden. But she has definitely been a huge, huge inspiration for me. Oh, that sounds good. I'll try to put a link to that in the show notes also. Um, And then you said you have raised beds. Yes, yes, I have. uh, Let me see. I have two. I have six raised beds in my backyard. It used to be a small part of the driveway that once I took over the, the raised bed or the vegetable part of my garden, I realized that I just needed more space, you know, to grow more things. I, at the time, I didn't know I was going to fall in love with tomatoes that way. And I am glad that I added all those extra raised beds because, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And what do you feel? I, I am not a raised bed person. And I don't know if I ever would be, although I have my vegetables arranged sort of on a, um, well, some retaining walls that I reinforce. So it's three tiers, but I still have to kind of get athletic to get into them. Anyway, what do you feel are the biggest advantage of going ahead to build a raised bed as opposed to just bending over on the ground? Well, I think one of the huge advantages uh, of having a raised bed is that you get, you know, your soil, you get the the nutrients right away. You don't have to build, you don't have to add, you don't have to wait for, for things to break down into the ground. The biggest thing for us uh, when it came time to add in the raised beds was that we had the area where we wanted the raised beds, we had gravel. We had lots of gravel mixed with the soil. So it was going to be almost impossible for us to clean all of that first if we wanted to use it straight into the ground. So adding the raised beds was just uh, the easiest and more convenient thing to do. That sounds very smart. Um, and then in terms of, you know, your soil and building it up, do you go ahead and do you do you compost at all? Do you recycle? So I don't have the space to do compost. Unfortunately, I wish that I that I could have uh, that, but I don't. But every year, uh, either in the fall or early in the spring, I make sure to grab a couple of yards of compost to add to my raised beds because, I mean, you just have to do it. You just have to provide that for the soil, I think. Uh, I feel like that's where a lot of people fail, where, you know, when it comes time, time to add amendments to their own soil, uh, they worry about the seeds, they worry about where to buy the plants, but they don't really you know, worry about adding nutrients to the soil. I don't know who, who I learned this from, but this person mentioned, if I have $10 to spend into my garden, I will spend $9 into the soil and a dollar into the rest of it, which is plants and seeds. And that just kind of stuck with me, you know, like work on the soil, work on the soil. Yeah. But gosh, it's not great for us people who really like instant gratification. Exactly. You know, it's that same, what did um, Abraham Lincoln said? If I had to cut down a tree, I'd spend, you know, 10 hours sharpening my ax and one hour cutting down the tree. I don't know. It's like, oh man, that is so boring. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. So how scientific or uh, nerdy, if you would, do you get about the soil? I'm kind of a feel girl. I'm like, this is a good tilth. And if I just keep throwing compost at this sucker, we're going to be fine here. Do you actually break it down and get pH and have it analyzed and blah, blah, blah? I don't. Unfortunately, I don't. Uh, I don't know if it's fortunately or unfortunately, I don't. But um, no, I, you know, I add the nutrients to the soil when I'm working on it. And, and being so new, the race bits are only three years old. I am sure, you know, they still have the nutrients that they need, but I know that soon enough I'm going to be coming, you know, with lack of this or lack of that. And that's when I'm going to have to get really, you know, down to the science of what's going on. Why are my tomatoes, you know, suffering from this or why are things all of a sudden not growing the way they used to in like year one? Uh, but no, I am definitely not, you know, one to, to do that in my garden. Neither am I. That just, that part doesn't interest me. So um, let's get back to your journey. You started with ornamental. Do you consider yourself simply flowers or do you like to do bigger things like flowering shrubs or trees? Have you incorporated them into your garden? 
Yeah, so I I have to say I one of the the shrubs that I love in my garden are hydrangeas. I have a whole uh, hedge of hydrangeas, limelight hydrangeas, and I I have to say I have to admit I wasn't a hydrangea person. I consider those flowers to be like I don't know, they're like for old people. They're I don't know, I don't, I don't really like them. And but my husband, when we first moved into this property, he mentioned. As long as you put one hydrangea, I don't care what color or I don't care what variety. As long as you put one hydrangea in this garden, I'm going to be happy. So I thought, okay. And then I look into it. I found limelights to be, you know, the hardier, um, better hydrangeas. And, you know, they, they have grown on me. I absolutely love them. And they sort of act like a wall, like a privacy fence between my neighbors and I. So, so they're, they're really, really cool. How tall do you let yours get? Because they can get, I've seen some that get like eight feet tall of that variety. But if it were me, I'd probably prune them down. How tall do you let yours get? So I do a really, really hard prune uh, early in the spring. And mine get about probably eight, 10 feet tall. Wow. If I let them, they will probably way surpass that. Man, but you got to be able to reach the flowers. Exactly. Them, right? that, that's what I dream. I'm being only five, three tall, you know, like everything that I can keep short, I'm definitely going to be out there doing that. I'm lucky I'm I'm taller than you, but I'm sure I'm not getting any taller, but I'm, I've got a couple of trees that I've lined up in the yard where I, I literally only let them get to be like seven feet tall because of that that's about how tall I can reach. Yeah. So sorry, dude, I'm not getting the ladder <laughs> out for you. <laughs> You're staying right here. This is Into the Garden with Leslie on News Radio WINA, and we are having a lovely garden chat with Roxana Snedeker, who is Soil and Margaritas. How did you come up with that name? You know, it was hard when I actually started on Instagram as a viewer. I didn't have, you know, I didn't start Instagram for my garden or anything like that. I joined because I wanted to see other people's gardens, other people's journeys in their own garden. And I realized, you know what, I can probably do this for my own garden. Maybe I can post a picture or two, you know, the things that are happening. And then I thought, okay, I got to have a name. I got to have a really cool name. And, you know, you think about, you know, the name of a flower or something cute. And I couldn't for the longest time come up with a name. And it wasn't until one day I was just kind of out there, you know, watching my plants. And I was drinking a margarita and I was thinking, <laughs> okay, I think that I come out with something, soil, soil uh, in, I don't know, soil in buckets, nope, soil in containers, nope. And then I look at my margaritas, I was drinking it, and I said, soil and margaritas. And I thought, that's it. That's the name. Perfect. Perfect name. I mean, it quenches you. And do you grow limes, by the way? No, I don't. No, I don't think they can grow them here. If If I had a greenhouse, maybe I could. But they will definitely, you know, you should give it a try. I am so not great at indoor plants. And and you've heard me say, I, I just don't research this stuff that well, but I'll try anything. And I have a little lime tree that I stick into a very not bright window <laughs> in the garage. And he makes it, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't flower prolifically. I only get about a half a dozen a year. If I were doing it right, I'm sure I would get more, but give it a try. I bet you could figure out a way to do it well. I, I, I might, I might this year. Yeah. It's kind of fun because uh, I don't have a greenhouse either. So what what motivates you to garden uh, well? I mean, we, we know the tomato piece, but in terms of uh, you didn't start out with the tomatoes. What motivated you from the beginning before the vegetables? It wasn't your stomach. Um, so it was just the flowers or do you get that thing that I get of like literally digging in the soil and, and feeling better about life all over? Is it that part of it or is just what, what you wanted to pick and grow and bring inside to arrange? What, what do you what motivates you? 
I feel like gardening for me has been a way of expressing myself. Uh, I am a visual learner. I am being a photographer. I feel like I, I really want to move things to look better in a way that if I was taking a picture, they would look great in a picture. So when it comes to my own place, I feel like I don't really have control of you know, beautifying the streets or beautifying the things that are external other than my own garden. So finding that balance between growing things that I enjoy to look at and also doing the work, like I say, seeing a seed germinate or seeing a plant flower and something that you think that you might help do, uh, it's it's a great, great feeling for me. And honestly, it's such a therapeutic thing to do. Um, it helps me. It helps me stay sane. If I'm having a bad day, I just go out there. I work for a couple hours within the plants, within the garden beds, and it just helps me. It brings me joy. Uh, I am a, a type of a homebody type of person. I enjoy being at home. I enjoy being by myself. And gardening is just the perfect hobby for me to do that. Yeah. And yet you're sharing, which is nice because you don't have to, you know, chat with people all day long. You're just putting that stuff out there. And I know, you know, Roxana has a lot of followers. So a lot of people are getting her joy because she's bothering to put it out there. So it's, it's very kind of you. And you have two young teenagers and a husband. How much do they get involved in the into the garden? So my husband loves to help me. If he has the time, you know, he will uh, be helping me weed. He will be helping me build something. I definitely have a lot of projects for him to do. So whenever he's available, I have things, you know, like, what can you do in the next three hours? You know, and I have definitely a list for him to do. Uh, my kids do get paid to help me with it, to help me do this or that. Uh, yesterday, my daughter made $5 helping me two hours in the garden. And, you know, she loved it. And I loved it, too, because I can definitely use the help. Um, they don't really care too much about the garden. They enjoy the flowers. They enjoy the food that comes out of it. But they're not really into the science or, you know, like, look, I started this from C, you know, and now we have a tomato. They really could care less about that. But uh, I am sure that one day maybe they'll look back and, and you know, think about, oh, you know, my mother used to do this or, or you know, um, she used to grow up, you know, she used to love to grow tomatoes or this and that. And honestly, the reason, the, the number one reason that I started my YouTube channel is that maybe one day, if not them, maybe my grandkids or my great grandkids, you know, will be able to see, you know, their grandmama or their abuelita, you know, out in the garden with, uh, you know, abuelito, you know, growing things and, and moving trees that die a year later because they probably move it at the wrong time of the year. <laughs> uh, and that's okay. You know, they were people too. They were humans. Uh, but that's the main reason why I started my YouTube channel, you know, like thinking back, like think about, you know, like your grandparents, wouldn't you have loved to watch them, you know, in their younger years? Yes, I can picture, I can picture my grandmother was born in 1897 and she was a tomboy and my mother was not, and I definitely am. And she, you know, I can picture her in her eighties, in her overalls, on her hands and knees. And that's all I've got. It's just this mental image. But if I had a, you, uh, yes, I would watch. Yes, I would. Exactly. Exactly. And I mentioned the tree because my husband and I, a couple of years ago, moved a red bud tree in the middle of August. We did it by hand. We didn't use any tools. I really wanted to save that tree. It was in the wrong spot. We moved it and it died the next year. I don't think that it died because we moved it, but I think that that moving part, it helped it die in. So um, anyway, but that's, that's basically it. You know, I, this is the reason why I started the YouTube channel and, uh, Instagram just kind of happened, you know, to be the place where it's instant, you know, I can just get my phone, take a picture, you know, make a story and make a video of what's going on. And it's, it's really cool thing, I think. And you're a professional photographer. So tell us a little bit about that. 
So yes, I'm a wedding photographer here in central Indiana. And I think that's why my Instagram has been getting a lot of followers because, you know, I, I love to take a good picture. I, I hope that my pictures are, you know, looking good. They're good. And I, I love to show that that's where my, you know, my love for photography and my love for gardening comes together. And it, it, it's a great mix. Um, all right. So a little more brass tacks gardening before I let you go. Do you have any favorite tools that you like to use in the garden? Ah, yes, my speaker. That is my best tool. And it's not, I don't use it for gardening. I use it for my own sake. Um, Like I said, I love dancing and I love to listen to podcasts. (laughs) A little bit fun (laughs) here. Um, I, I enjoy music and having that, you know, I go outside, I take my coffee, I take my speaker and I decide, you know, who I'm going to be listening to. I love to listen things about gardening. Uh, I love to educate myself in that way. And if I have a speaker next to me where I'm learning, while I'm reading, while I'm moving plants, it, it's it's the best part. I know that people, t- you know, talk about tools and this and that, but, you know, a tool is used to make some, to help you make something better. And to me, my speaker being next to me, either listening to music or, you know, uh, listening to a podcast, to me, that's helping me in a way. It's just in a different way that it's helping me. I totally agree. But I wear the, I wear the uh, ear things. I, I keep it right on my head. You know, I tried those and I cannot find a good set to keep them in my ears. Maybe my ears are just weird like that, but I cannot. I yeah, cannot. No, I, my ears spit out those AirPod things. I can't do those, but I have one that hooks over my, I'll send you a link. I have one that hooks over. Awesome. So what, what's your go-to gardening podcast? Right now, I besides into the garden with Leslie, of course. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, I love to listen to Yo Gardener. I have found a great amount of people there to follow that you know that know what they're doing in the garden, and he is amazing at what he does. And his guests that he brings every week are just amazing. So I love listening to Yo. I listen to him every week, and a lot of times it is about tomatoes. And you know, we all know that. Okay, tomatoes, tomatoes. Um, yep, you must exactly. love that. Exactly. <laughs> But I'm I'm a little more lukewarm on it. I do love a good tomato, but maybe not for an hour. Anyway, he has fantastic guests. And a lot of it is about sustainability, uh, soil amendment, understanding natives, um, insects. He had that one a couple of weeks ago where that guy, I summarized some of these for my listeners because, you know, we don't, we can't listen to all the podcasts, but depressing, but really very important information that, but that British author who talked about the uh, silent earth the apocalypse of the insects. Do you remember that one? Oh, I haven't heard that one yet. Not yet. It's a little depressing, but it's very good information. Um, you know, it's it's not good, and yet it talks about how we can all help a little bit with things that are absolutely attainable, like turning off lights at night, like of course not using um, pesticides or herbicides, like planting natives when we can, uh, and also just spreading the word. Like literally, if you convert one gardening pal to say, "Ooh, but let's maybe if we didn't do that thing that you were going to do with that spray bottle," and that they get to understand, "Oh, but you know that's actually an invasive plant that invades our wild spaces." Just one person, if we all do that. It's going to help. So it was, it was a cool one. I recommend it. Let me just tell you that I have really enjoyed talking to you. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you about your gardening? Anything that you were like, but wait, I love to talk about this or that. <laughs> no, I think you pretty much for it all. Uh, I do have to say for people that are listening to this and are, are thinking, I wish I could garden like this person, or I wish I could have a garden like that person. Just start somewhere, you know, just start at, start small. If you are don't want to venture into something big, just start small and start somewhere. That's the only advice that I can give people out there that want to have a garden. Start somewhere today. 
I think that's a great piece of advice. Thank you so much, Roxana. Thank you for inviting me. That has really been fun. This is Into the Garden with Leslie on News Radio WINA. Coming up in a few minutes, we will be talking about what to do in your garden this week. Welcome back to Into the Garden with Leslie on News Radio WINA, sponsored by Dos Amigos Landscaping, Color Blends Bulbs, and now Great Garden Plants, a new sponsor for the pod, and it's a good one. Listen up. Are you ready to create a garden of your dreams? GreatGardenPlants.com is here to help with perennials and shrubs delivered to your front door. With over 800 plants to choose from, you'll find exciting new varieties as well as garden classics. Their new website makes plant shopping easy. You simply filter through the plants by zone, light, color, or special features like deer resistance or drought tolerance. And once you're ready to order, they let you select your own ship day to check out so that you can schedule ahead for an upcoming fall planting. If you're worried about shipping plants in the mail, you don't have to be. They arrive in great condition. Plus, every order is covered by their guarantee. As a listener of this show, you can save 10% on your first order with the code GARDENWITHLESLIE. Visit GreatGardenPlants.com and shop with code GARDENWITHLESLIE for 10% off. Happy gardening. That was a really fun interview with Roxana. She has the most charming accent and also a charming outlook on gardening. She's right. Your garden should make you happy. There's no denying that gardening is a great way to make a wonderful little contribution to the ecological landscape, but that's easily done by nurturing plants that please you. I mean, not invasive plants, but the plants that please you. I'll put links to her YouTube and Instagram on the blog post that accompanies this episode on lhgardens.com. Questions from listeners? Well, there was a great question from Beth Bass, who lives right here in Charlottesville, about garden grit versus chicken grit and additives and what all is going on here. Garden grit is one of those things that UK gardeners talk about all the time, and I always feel so left out. I like grit. I mean, I'm a John Wayne fan. What's it all about, this grit stuff? Beth posed the question to both me and Marianne Wilburn, who has gardened in the UK, and here now in Virginia, she keeps chickens. Beth was concerned that the grit or gravel that some stores like Southern States or Tractor Supply might carry would have additives that are good for chickens, but not good for plants. Well, turns out it probably doesn't. It didn't in her case. And that might be a handy way of buying grit if you need to improve the drainage in your potting soil. I think I've mentioned that I'm trying this new thing of using my own compost only instead of buying seeding or potting mixtures. It seems to be working so far, despite the charming weeds that come up next to what I had intended to be there. Easy enough to pull. But anyway, I'm going to follow Beth's lead and get some grit, some true grit, to improve my drainage for plants that need it. There was also a question from Jenny Kovac about when to move irises. Hers were not happy. They might have been in too much shade or they might have been planted too deeply. You know, those guys like to be right up close to the top of the soil. I said it was okay to move them now. They probably are going to flop, but you can cut away the flopping foliage. Consider waiting for fall for sure. That's a happier time for things to be moved. These are high temperatures right now. And if you want to plant or move or divide things, it can be done. You just have to really stay on top of protecting them with a lot of water and maybe even artificial shade for a week or so until they get settled in. My mother used to put umbrellas over things like that. It, it wasn't it wasn't a great garden look, but she claimed it worked. Okay, now's the time to play our second half of that game that I started at the beginning of this episode about my predictions on being away from my garden for three weeks. I did have a nice nap, thank you, big glass of Chardonnay on the plane, and we got home last evening and poor Jeff dealt with piles of mail while I disappeared immediately to tour the garden. 
Let's see how I did with my prognostications. Okay, first I mentioned the zinnias. They were shorter than I thought. They looked healthy. They're about 18 inches tall, plenty of nice growth, and a couple of flowers. They should end the season very well. There's not even any mildew yet, so they look good. They just hadn't grown as much as I thought they might. The annuals to which I gave the Chelsea chop, that was really good. They were in full flower as if they were generally cared for instead of mauled and left untouched, except for water, for three weeks. So that strategy really worked. I chucked the heck out of them and it worked. That old-fashioned climbing petunia, a nice amount of growth and not too floppy. This is such an interesting plant. I mean, these, these blossoms smell good. The old seed heads are pretty brown and not great looking. It's not a self-cleaning type for sure. But it has enough bloom so that I don't know if I'm inspired to pick out every brown seed head. Maybe I'll just leave them and maybe I'll get volunteers next year. Lilies, I was right, but not exactly. I missed most of the show, but not all of it. There's still some lovely scents out there. And I forgot that my Lilium formosanum, and that's a new type to me, is an August bloomer. So I'm going to be around for that. But there's still some, there's some, um, Orient pets still blooming and that tiger lily. Yeah, there's still a few things out there. All right. You know how I mentioned that day lily, that short yellow early one that might be happy returns that I cut back to nubbins and I was like, Oh, it's going to be beautiful green spring growth. Well, no, not so much. It was only just beginning to push out the new growth, much pokier than I would have predicted. The other day lilies are on their last legs. Um, so they're beginning to look quite tatty and there are lots of brown sticks to take away. Well, green sticks that will be brown sticks, but I've got a few flowers left to look at and they look great. The hydrangeas, the Annabelles. Well, did my Annabelles flop? Oh yes, my Annabelles flopped. Charming, except for when they're assaulting other plants. So I have to get out the secateurs and take care of that. Bush beans, not as much growth as I would have thought and certainly no beans. Maybe that spot is shadier than I think. It's too late to move them, I think, but I'll just have to see how this goes. And the tea tiny basil plants versus basil plants in pot. Well, it turned out that I didn't have any basil plants in pots. Hmm, I'm not quite sure what happened there. I thought I had two, maybe. Anyway, seemingly all of the microscopic plants in the veg patch survived, and they're now simply quite small instead of microscopic. Let's put it this way. They're large enough to be enjoyed by some sort of insect who's sharing them with me, but I can manage a meager caprese salad on the first day back. So that's a total win. Those green pepper seeds. The good news is that like, I don't know, five or six pepper plants are absolutely out there. Remember I said I just stuck the seeds into the ground and sort of ran away and suspected that nothing would ever come up. They're out there, but it's a little hard to tell how many there are because I must have been having some sort of arm spasm when I laid them out. Instead of two nice rows that I sort of thought I was doing, they seem to be all in one spot, surrounded by very, very healthy weeds that have totally lapped them in terms of growth. Curious. Still, I think that's a win. Seemingly, I will get peppers this summer and I'll get out there and move them around and get those weeds out. The tomatoes on the tutor, they get a consolation prize. They have grown to about two feet and they have some flowers and a couple of tiny fruits. The tutor slash jungle gym has yet to be employed this season, so no damage yet. I mean, I don't think squirrels and chipmunks are interested in tiny green tomatoes, so we'll see. The tomatoes in the plastic pots, bit of a disappointment. Well, there's tons of chaotic growth as predicted, but they are not going to be supplying my caprese ingredients anytime soon. But hey, they're in pots, so I'm going to move them to more sun, right? And then remember I had that notion about, oh my God, what if the compost as a potting medium wouldn't work? Like it would continue to 
decompose and I wouldn't have any, that's fine. It's full of weeds, of course, because that's the way my compost works, but I'll pull them and it seems to be holding up just fine. So as I toured around last night, I was struck by the following random questions. Number one, when you have this many weeds in a gravel path, if you squint your eyes just right, does the path look like an extension of the garden? Number two, yes, I thought I would have no hydrangea macrophylla blooms at all this year. And yes, I was very grateful that I actually did get some. And now, is it unfair if I feel sorry for myself that I have precious few? Number three, some of these weeds are so tall now that they must have had at least a foot of growth before I left. How could I not have noticed them? What is wrong with me? Number four, why do hyacinth bean vines insist on threading themselves around stalks of surrounding perennials instead of on the charming staircase handrail for which they are intended? Oh, and the last bit of news, and it's not good news, I have Asian jumping worms. Yep, Brad, I don't know if they came down Interstate 77 from Ohio or not, but I have them. I was on my hands and knees, (laughs) in my airplane clothes still, freeing up the tributary to my stream that needs to drain so that I don't breed more mosquitoes than normal, and I pulled back a layer of leaves that had blocked it because of some big storm that happened last weekend, and there they were in all of their impressive athletic glory with the telltale white band that Asian jumping worms sport and the telltale coffee ground-like soil, in this case it was coffee ground-like muck, all around. So what to do? There's not much to do except grab what you can and put them in a plastic bag and let them cook in the sun. Disgusting, revolting, I know. But if you like try to, you know, physically maul them, they just divide and become more of themselves. They're like aliens. Well, they are aliens, actually. They're invasive aliens. Anyway, the first batch is doing that right now, cooking in the sun. But I foresee (sighs) always having a Ziploc bag handy as I garden. This will now be part of the routine. Oh, goody. Well, other than that, this has been so fun. And if you have any questions or comments or corrections, please reach out to me at Instagram. I am Leslie Harris LH and my website is lhgardens.com. Please go to that website and have a look at the blog that accompanies the podcast. Add your comments and consider buying me a cup of coffee to help support the podcast. Hey, you can get in touch with me on that website too, lhgardens.com. And sign up for my weekly newsletter, which I'm almost always organized enough to spit out. I try to keep it amusing. Also, I do speaking for groups and would love to speak to yours. Next season is filling up in terms of speaking engagements, but I still have some dates available if you want me to speak to your group in person or virtually. Thanks for the reviews and contributions that people have made. I'm about to send off an LH Gardens bucket hat. Yes, that's a thing to new into the garden member Daryl for the contribution made on coffee on my website. And here's a review from Michelle in Virginia written last April. Leslie produces a wonderful podcast filled with educational information, stories, humor, and interesting guests. I found her through a garden club of Virginia publication. Both novice and experienced gardeners will learn from each episode. Thanks, Leslie. Thank you, Michelle. It helps to get this feedback to help the podcast grow, so do tell your friends and leave a review if you're inspired. I'd like to thank Color Blends Bulbs. Color Blends is a third-generation bulb company offering top-sized flower bulbs directly to ambitious residential gardeners and landscape professionals at wholesale prices. I always buy my bulbs from Color Blends. They are awesome. And of course, I appreciate the ongoing support of Dos Amigos Landscaping here in Charlottesville. And do go check out my website, for more on my affiliation with artist Karen Blair. 
I named this show Into the Garden with Leslie because I'm really into my garden and I want to get you into yours. And I will see you next week. <laughs>